This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we're talking with Bend, Oregon's Deschutes Brewery. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Brian Favor and Kyle Mathias, the brewmaster and pilot plant assistant brewer, brewmaster, respectively, for Deschutes Brewery. We're going to talk about new beer trends, classic beers like Black Butte Porter and The Abyss, and the latest developments with Deschutes. Brian and Kyle, thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Brian, I'm going to ask this now because I would be willing to bet, did Brian get your last name correct? Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. Do you say it? It's favor. favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got it. it. it, it okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I targeted. I'm not sure if that's what I actually said. You did. So, so yeah, yeah, well done, Brian Hewitt. Well done. I actually listened to some uh, interviews too. Uh, he's done with other people get over the time to get it right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I have, is he like Brett Favre or is it favor? I'm like, that's, that's favor. Okay. okay, good deal. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Looking forward to you. We're fans of the brewery. We've got uh, some good ones here to get into this week so looking forward to that so question for you guys we do a twitter poll most weeks of hot topics brian yes that we talk about and this week we were kind of inspired by a trip we took last week and we went down to the porter beer bar in atlanta that celebrated their 11th anniversary and we got uh we got you know what i forgot something brian what did you forget? Becky Smalls is in the studio. Oh my goodness. I am here and I brought you guys beer and and bourbon maple barrel maple syrup, syrup right? Yeah, I bring gifts. <laughs> yes, yes. Not enough to be remembered, but That's enough right. yes. enough for us to let her in. We get in the zone and it's uh, it's in the zone. Yeah. We we should feel horrible about it. But you don't. You we do. Don't. I do feel a little bit. No, you don't. Smalls, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Yes. Becky actually had to write me a note, don't forget me. She did. Uh, because I'm a horrible human being. That's but. right. Brian, Kyle, we we were talking about beer prices and how much you'd spend on a beer because we went down to the porter and we splurged. We got a bottle of 2001 Dre Fontaine and Oud Goose, which was just ridiculously phenomenal. So are you guys splurgers? Do you spend on fancy beers? I mean, personally, uh, I would say occasionally. I would say it has to be kind of the the right moment, the right mood sort of thing, right beer and everything kind of has to fall into place. Otherwise I kind of tend towards just standbys and places that I, you know, know I enjoy drinking their beers, but yeah, occasionally I'll splurge for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I'm similar uh, to Kyle. I, I, I'd see the other great thing about our industry is that you're usually surrounded by a ton of great brewers and great beers. And so there's a lot of uh, collaboration and just getting together. You know, we were we just took a trip a few weeks ago out to uh, a winery, so to King Estate, but right next to it is a, a little brewery called Ale Song, and spent some time with them, which was great. You know, and so and then you always trade trade beer, so usually yeah. that that's a great avenue too to to end up getting some some of those more obscure kind of higher price point bottles. Right. You know, there's so much great beer available now that you don't have to splurge on. 
that's yeah, right. Exactly. You know, people sharing and just your average beer in a lot of places now is really, really good beer. Yeah, we're really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, l- like you said, it's kind of situational. Like we were down there at the Porter celebrating their anniversary. You know, they have a nice seller list there. We've thought that was an appropriate time to go mm-hmm. a little bit. But Twitter, when I asked Twitter about it, they said, according to Twitter, 26% of people said $20 or less is the most they have ever spent on a <laughs> bottle of beer. 67% said between $21 and $50. And 4% said $51 to $100. And 4% said greater than So I think that 21 to 50, see Twitter only lets you give so many choices on your polls. So I was a little limited there because I imagine there's a broad range of that 21 to 50, because I know for me, you start hitting that $30. Yeah. About 30. And I'm like, eh, I don't think I can do that. It better be a good beer. (laughs) (laughs) We were definitely in the latter two categories for that uh, Dre Fontenin. And I don't begrudge it at all. No, it was phenomenal. We spent more. There was a charity brew. This is going back a few years, but right. the, a CBS. I think it was one of the earlier releases. Yeah. I think it was a charity. I think it was thing. the first bottle release. I think. Yeah, the first and it was on the seller release. list, and I don't think it was at the port. I think it was at another place, and I th- believe it was one hundred twenty-five dollars. It was one hundred and fifty dollars. One hundred fifty. But a okay. hundred of that went to a charity. Yes. So. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would say another thing, like when when I'm in a group of folks, I'm I'm more probably. Out to, yeah, to totally. splurge right for something that we're going to share i'm also that guy too though like when there, there's nothing more disappointing today i think when you get like you spend like five or six dollars for a pint and you're just you're kind of bummed out about that <laughs> yeah. right yeah <laughs> yes that's it but like you said same thing with us you're with a group of friends and that yeah. we bought that bottle it was just brian and i there but then we shared it with others at tables around us because that's a lot of the fun of it exactly yep but it was a good time. A good time at the Porter all around, Brian. We Indeed. drank some other great beers. We started off the day at Der Beer Garten. Becky, you weren't there. Are you jealous? No, I am jealous, but yeah. I was having my own adventures making mead. That's that right. You brewed mead that I day. I brewed mead yeah. that day. Yes. So we had some Pilsner, some Crispy Boys, and some yeah. uh, German food. <laughs> you had a little carboy adventure on your mead day, right? I did, yes. Uh, my big mouth bubbler. Yeah. The dust. Which is oh. a plastic one. <laughs> the plastic that one. Someone yes. poured boiling water in. Yeah. I don't know well, who that was. You know, a lot of plastics can handle that. Apparently, this one could not. And it went down like those old school shrinky dinks, it completely shrunk down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun to clean up honey water off the floor. So, learned my yeah. lesson. We're can good. I ask you guys about a lot of our younger brewers are throwing around crispy boys? Like, what? what is that? <laughs> uh, Pilsners. Like yeah. a nice crisp Pilsner. That's the crispy boys there. So yeah, and I am one of the younger crew, so I understand that. So. <laughs> He's so young. Where did that term come from? I think probably internet insanity <laughs> yeah. is kind of where it started. You know, they get uh, haze bros or hazy bros for the, yeah. the Northeast. You see that out there. And then I don't know where crispy boys originated, but I like to pick up any internet stupidity and <laughs> drive it into the ground. So and that, so, yeah. that one is is unusually good. And there's also the, uh, what is it, the Claw Daddy, which I, oh, I'm yeah. a Claw Daddies, by. yes. I, I'm not a fan yeah. of White Claw, but I love I love the Claw Daddy hashtag. So. Yeah, and Barley Wine is Life <laughs> yeah. is another one. Oh, yeah, Barley Wine is Life. Wine is life. I agree with that one. That yes. one, is, I don't think it's even funny. I think it's very serious. Too. I think that was started by Don't Drink Beer. I think they're the first Could ones be. that use the Barley Wine is Life thing. So. I've been tempted to get one of those uh, There Are No Laws When You're Drinking Claws t-shirts. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A fun fact about that, White Claw actually sued that guy to quit making the shirt. <laughs> oh, really? So there, are, there, are, there are indeed some laws there, apparently. <laughs> yes. 
There are, in fact. So, Tim, you know, I think we need to talk about the beers of the week. Crack open a cold one. It's the Truck and Tap Beer of the Week. Woo-hoo! Craft beer and food trucks in downtown Woodstock. Truckandtap.com. Well, Brian, we've got a lot of good beers to drink this week. We are, of course, going to get into some good stuff from Deschutes. We're going to get into the Stoic 2015, a Belgian quadruple. We'll have the Dissident, which is a sour Flanders Oudbrun, and the Abyss, Brian, a very delicious stout. Yes, indeed. And these are some you got on an adventurous trip a few years ago. These are all 2015 vintage, correct? Yep, yep. I believe that's when I picked them up. All right. Well, it's going to be good stuff. We're looking forward. So, Brian, uh, what's happening in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. So really quick, we'll get started with a story about big beer being big beer. Constellations Brands is closing its Ballast Point tap room in Daleville, Virginia at the end of September after being open for just two years. But it's not for the reason you might expect. The location was very popular and apparently profitable. So making this a surprise to the community and to the employees working there. So they're closing the tap room and converting the production facility into, quote, a innovation hub, which basically means, from what I've read, that they are going to focus on new products like hard seltzers and flavored malt beverages. And they are shifting their focus from and resources from a, that location to other core local markets. So instead of brewing beers for the Virginia locals, they're going to be producing those for other markets. On the bright side, some of the employees that are getting axed will be offered production jobs at the new Innovation Hub. So this is the third Ballast Point facility closure in recent years. And uh, the one-time billion-dollar brand has seen double-digit declines over the past two years. So big beer just can't catch a break, Tim. As always, Brian, right? You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take a break, and we'll be back very soon to talk more with the Shoots Brewery. Is your brewery or restaurant flooring all jacked up? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you want to make sure it's slip resistant and you can clean up your messes with soap and water. You know who to call? ResTech. We've been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002, and we've got solutions to fit any facility's needs. Go on and visit our website at ResTech.net. That's R-E-S-T-E-K.net. Drop us a line and we will come to you for a free evaluation. Oh, yeah. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you miss an episode, don't worry. All episodes are available as a podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and never miss a show. Now let's get back to our talk with Brian Favor and Kyle Mathias of Deschutes Brewery. Guys, we've been talking a lot here about uh, Quike and the rise of the hard seltzer so have you ever have you guys done anything with quiet yeast yet yeah we've done a, a couple things with it and uh, also our portland pub and uh jake up there has done quite a few things with it it's been fun experimenting with it and just messing around with uh different temperatures different style of beers different uh, yeast suppliers of quike just kind of seeing what those things throw we've seen anything from you know something that might remind you more of a Saison to something that's a little bit cleaner and, you know, really lets those hops shine through. But 
it's been pretty cool to set that fermentation uh, temperature at 100 degrees and just let it go. Right. Yeah. So is it a pretty strong fermenter? It'll just chew through everything and leaving uh, you with a pretty dry finished product? I would say, you know, pretty pretty standard uh, final gravities to a lot of other commercial sack strains. I wouldn't say it would be, uh, you know, intensely dry, but certainly uh, similar dryness to other sort of uh, IPAs and uh, Belgian beers you might see out there. It's a quick fermenter though, right? Like it'll hit final gravity fairly quickly. Yeah, fairly quickly, a couple of days, you know, two or three days. Fairly quickly, Tim. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Are there any other trends in in beer right now that uh, you guys are excited about? Mm, Boy. The rise of Crispy Boys, did you say? That's right. Yes. I believe he did. Yeah. Has anybody anybody actually used that as as a beer name yet? You know, I don't know if they have. We can check untapped. It'll tell us right away there, but I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for me. I mean, maybe it's not quite a trend, but. there's that hell trend going around with kind of which kind of leads to lower ABV beers. And, you know, I'm not necessarily counting my calories, but I do uh, like to drink a few when I, you know, sit down for a session of drinking beers and lower ABV certainly helps that. So I like seeing a couple more uh, lower ABV products popping up out there. And I'll say like, I'm, I'm a bit older than Kyle. So my metabolism's definitely slowing. So occasionally I am like counting my calories, uh, but uh <laughs> No, I agree with that as well. Yeah, a lot of times, especially we just had this brewers conference here in Bend, and actually we had um, Paul Arney from the Ale Apothecary, who used to work at Shoots, presented on a Kvike, and he actually has a film that he produced that I highly recommend, and then we also had uh, some folks here talking about yeast strains that have been genetically engineered. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but the group uh, that kind of spun out of uh, University of Berkeley that was in the press for having yeast produce some THC compounds. So that's some pretty interesting wild work. Wow. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's uh, never never uh, there's there's a ton to learn and a, a ton that keeps happening in the brewing industry, mm-hmm. and it's yeah fun to be involved in it. Yeah, I think along with that too, just you know the. Just yeast-driven beer, you know, it seems to be kind of becoming a thing with Kvike and, you know, the genetically engineered you know, these yeasts and uh, just exploring that more as a, a versatile ingredient as opposed to, you know, just hops, say. Right. I think when we had Stan Hieronymus on, I think last time we talked a little bit about that, about deriving the other flavors from the hop compounds. Mm-hmm. I think he'd done a little piece on that. It's It's interesting. This isn't necessarily beer. But I think I actually saw something recently. There's a festival coming up that's kind of mixing beer and wine or grape hmm. must. Hmm. And uh, but I'm going to miss this. But I think it was the Sauvignon Blanc grapes that they found out that each generation gets a different number of genes from their parents, where uh, most things it's one copy of each. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But in these grapes, it can be different. So there can be a huge variation. Uh, from generation to generation because they're not getting the same matching number of genes there. And now, Smalls, you may know oh, more know. about this than totally I do. You guys are totally talking my language right now. Yeah, and it's <laughs> not my language. So I'm I'm taking the highlights that I saw from an article, but there's just so much they started talking about, you know, because they know this and the way these genes are working. They have a record of red grapes turning white mm-hmm. and different things like that, you know. So If they don't get as, as many of the genes, I think, the, the fewer they get, the more likely they are to be white from the... I saw that article and 
there's a lot of a lot of the varieties of flavor comes from the fact that there are thousands of different possible variations within this family of right. grapes. So yeah, pretty well, interesting. Another thing I thought too is because with grapes, a lot of credit is given to terroir for flavor. But if they're getting different numbers of genes in that, it could be just the genetics of the grape as much as terroir or or growing season. Just depends on what genes these grapes are getting. Oh, yeah. Just everything comes down to what gets turned on, what gets turned off. Like with the yeast, I was always wondering if somebody was modifying those. Because I used to, back in the day when I was working in research, I would do that with bacteria. I would totally clone them and pop things in, pop things out, and change things. I was wondering if anybody was doing that with the yeast. Fascinating. Totally change it. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm in the wrong field. Right. Go, go back to <laughs> <research. laughs> Yeah, there's a yeah. good group. So the group um, you know, that presented, we actually, in our pilot plant, we made some beers using these modifications that you should look up. So it's Berkeley Beer Science. Uh, but, yeah, like exactly what you were saying, so they could turn up how um, – a yeast strain might express in certain areas. I think they took some genes from basil and mint, which was pretty wild, and put them in 001 California ale yeast. So some pretty interesting stuff that's going on. And that would have been what Stan was talking about. I think that's Th- right. Those yeah. flavor compounds are geraniol and things like that that he's talking about come from things like basil. You know, I think you mentioned that you recommended a film, a, a beer film, and I don't know if you said what the title of the film was, so I was curious about that. Oh, I think it's called um, Nor Oregon. But yeah, Paul Alepothecary kind of documented his trip over to Norway, and I want to say it's called Nor Oregon, like probably totally butchering that, but I think they're trying to combine Norway and Oregon. So I think that's Norwegian. Yeah. Norwegian. Okay. I think some Googling can turn it up for us there. Yes. We have opened a bottle of the stoic 2015. And one of the first things I thought when I was opening it up, because I've had the stoic and not the stoic, what is the difference between these two? I can't remember what it is. You know, so we actually, um, I can't remember if it was 13, but we did the Stoic. There was a previous vintage of that. And so that was kind of our first attempt as, you know, we were getting more, um, I guess, involved in just higher gravity brewing and barrel aging. But our attempt as a, a doing a quad, so we came under some a decent amount of a scrutiny, I think, on the internet and when that got released. So really the big thing when not the Stoic came out was to say, you know, okay, you know, if you didn't think the Stoic was a quad and like all my understanding of that is the quad is, uh, you know, a style that's been fabricated, I believe, uh, in, in craft brewing. Um, and I could be totally wrong here, but then we kind of took uh, the Stoic to say, okay, if you didn't think that the Stoic was a quad. Well, here's not the Stoic, and and maybe um, <laughs> maybe this is. How's this internet? Does this yeah. make you happy? <laughs> so it was a little bit uh, tongue in cheek, you know. That you know the Stoic was 100% Pilsner malt, and not the Stoic. We brought in Special B, which usually a lot of people, you know, that that's kind of a hallmark malt, I guess you would say. And a lot of those beers, we stuck with check just checks saws and not the stoic the stoic had a lot of different uh adjunct sugars so we went a little crazy we had you know there was there's beet sugar we had belgian candy sugar we had a date sugar and actually both of those beers have pomegranate molasses so that that was kind of an interesting ingredient and uh my wife is 
half uh, Iranian or Persian. So I actually came across that in, in Persian cuisine. And there's a, a great dish out there called Fes and June that's made from this pomegranate molasses and ground walnuts. And you make a stew out of it with chicken. Anyway, if you, if you ever come across a per, uh, Persian restaurant, like definitely go for the Fes and June. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I've had Persian. I've, I've had, had Persian of... before. I don't re- I don't remember that. But the last time I went to a Persian place, I went with a Persian guy. He ordered everything. He's like, I'll take care of this. So <laughs> was it Harry? It was, was Harry. It Harry and uh, yeah, and yeah. we smoked Tuka afterwards. But yes, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it was great. Everything was fine. I loved it. Good so stuff. he's a crazy guy. Yes. Fun times. We yeah. listen to the Beer Guys radio show. We do need to take another break, but we will be back very soon to talk more with Deschutes Brewing. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing, establishing a new standard in craft beer. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram be the man you gotta beat the man Woo! now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to our newest radio affiliate wvwi radio 1 1000 am in charlotte amalia in the u.s virgin islands broadcasting to the virgin islands and puerto rico tim Catch Beer Guys Radio on WVWI Radio 1 every Saturday at 1 a.m. local time. Now let's get back to our talk with Brian Favor and Kyle Mathias of Deschutes Brewing Company. Guys, you'd mentioned uh, when we were talking in the last segment there, we talked a little bit about people being calorie conscious in their alcoholic beverage choices. And uh, something I noticed that kind of ties into uh, something we want to talk about, a new uh, flavored malt beverage you have, Modified Theory. And one of the things I saw in the announcement article for that was that Deschutes research showed that a lot of people did comment that they're not calorie conscious when they're choosing alcoholic beverages. So there is still a good group out there that doesn't. 
like Brian and I, yes, for example. I was celebrating over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so um, the uh, modified theory, it looks like this kind of goes in a different direction with some of the other products that are out there right now. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so these are beverages that are designed to be uh, bold in just about every way, color, flavor, aroma, anything you can think of, and just kind of designed for, you know, the person who might not might not necessarily be a craft beer drinker, but still, you know, wants something maybe a little bit more than, you know, just hard alcohol or, you know, like we talked about earlier, the White Claws and all that that's out there, something that delivers a little bit more of a unique flavor. And so we have three different flavors on the book for that uh, line of products currently. And those are uh, Tahitian lime and agave, uh, Tarakan orange and vanilla, and then a Northwest berry and lavender. That's something that um, it is decidedly not a hard seltzer, correct? Yeah, definitely not. I would you know, nowhere close. Yeah, I would say, yeah, and just add to that, it's a hundred percent. So, you know, all natural, no preservatives, all malt based. So we're not adding just a neutral grain spirit into some carbonated water. So we're right. brewing this and fermenting it like we would any other beer. All right. I'm intrigued. I, I would try it. <laughs> You're down to try this? Yeah. yeah. Because it, it, if I see correctly, this is going to be positioned somewhat as a canned cocktail, somewhat as a mixer. Yep. So something you can drink on its own. Yeah. Or and that was a big... You kind of a big driver is to say, you know, can we develop something and really leverage just you know, our, our culinary background to say, Hey, here's a beverage by itself. That's great. You could have this on rocks. You could, you know, look to mix in your favorite, uh, spirits. So, you know, obviously the Tahitian lime and tequila seems like a good pairing. The Taraka orange, uh, bourbon seems to make a lot of sense. <laughs> and I guess if you're a vodka person, probably a good fit for the Marionberry lavender. All right, I'm yeah, sold. You're, yeah, Becky's on board. She's going to try it. all of those then. <laughs> <laughs> so now you need to dust off the slushy machines and have those going in the tap room. I've no, seen I, everything else in the slushy machine. I've seen Fruited Ghosts and Berliners. I mean, like, might yeah. as well go with this. It seems like it's calling for it's it. It's just yeah. calling for it, right? Have you guys seen the, the one of our brewers was in Mexico a few months ago, and he's like, oh, man. He's like, I, have you ever had an iceberg? And he said it was like just, you know, a Mexican lager in a glass that they would put a, a like a dollop of a frozen margarita on top. Yeah, I've seen like, those. Okay. So yeah. we have some breweries here that do something, or not breweries, I think. Uh, Mexican some of, restaurants, I've seen it. Mexican restaurants yeah. do that? Well, the porter does it. Well, I think they just call them slushy toppers. Yeah. Like you'll get a beer, you'll get a, a Pilsner or any other beer, and you get a mug of the beer, but then you also get a topper of a slushy of that beer. So I guess the short answer is yes, just a little different execution there. I remember hearing about it, but I've never tried it. I had in my mind the uh, where you get the margarita and they have the little harness to hold the beer upside down. The little down coronita. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the little coronita. There. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Different things. So See, we're intriguing. all about the fun stuff with yeah. beer. Like, we love good quality craft and drinking that, but we're not opposed to, to novelty. floating some slush <laughs> on something or that. We'll give it a shot. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, and even this line and this concept, you look at, you know, a brewery like Deschutes that's been around for over 31 years and very strong and, and craft brewing and making great beers. And I, I think a lot of us, a lot of uh, breweries that have been around are, are really trying to, 
you know, find a way to how do we adapt to the market that we're in today? Yeah, definitely interesting times for sure. It's a hugely changing market. And, and we see here, you know, people are going to their neighborhood places. I'd mentioned earlier, guys, we had some law changes here in Georgia over the last couple of years. And the biggest one for us now is direct sales at our breweries, which we couldn't do two years ago. So, so we've just now got where we have some small breweries opening for own premise sales. You know, before that didn't make any sense because everything had to go through a distributor. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the drink local is becoming even more and more local for a lot of people. That drink local thing, I think that resonates with, uh, you know, brewers. I mean, we're, we're huge advocates of that. And, you know, so if your local brewery is making great beer, you know, why wouldn't you support them? But, you know, it's like at the same time, we feel, you know, that the beer coming out of the shoots and what we're making is, is probably some of the best stuff around that you could find. So that's our advantage right there. Well, that's something that we've kind of noticed. There's a lot of great beer out there. And what are some things that you guys do kind of to, to keep it moving forward? Because people are looking at that, that drink local. When you have a, I imagine being in Deschutes position right now is one of the trickier positions in the beer world to continue forward momentum. Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely be tough as a larger guy. Just, you know, it takes a little bit longer to steer a bigger ship. Right. But there's constant innovation going on in the pilot plant that I'm responsible for. And then also our pubs in Portland and Bend as well. A lot of uh, freedom there. And then a ton of great ideas flowing in from our co-owners here that helped me decide, you know, what to put on the brew schedule next. But, you know, for example, just to kind of show like the, our nimbleness in recent times, uh, today we actually bottled our first round of reserve club beers, which, you know, we just put out a call for uh couple of weeks back and got pretty huge reception for that. So idea behind that being that uh, at least initially people in Oregon uh, can receive some one-off barrel aged products. Uh, and the first one that we're releasing there is a single cask abyss. And so we bottled that today and that should be heading out to those folks who got selected for the reserve club here pretty shortly. And then, you know, potentially spinning off of that, uh, you know, maybe some short, small can runs, which is much more nascent in its stages right now. Not quite sure where that's going to head, uh, if it will or not, but I've started looking into that as well. So we can, you know, sort of do that more direct to consumer sort of point of sale as opposed to just, you know, seeing to shoots in, uh, you know, bars and grocery stores. Okay. You know, that ties into a question that I wanted to ask you about. I was looking through your un- list of beers that you had put out on Untapped, and I saw that you guys made a goose in the past. Is that going to be something you're going to be doing again or method traditional, I guess is what they would prefer us to say, but a goose style beer. I'm wondering, is that something you're going to work into that program or just release more in the future? I would say potentially, I don't say there's any like, uh, you know, hardcore plans necessarily to release a style like that. But uh, that kind of leads me to, I guess, another thing that we're doing to sort of lend itself to innovation. And that's uh, what we're calling a pilot draft series. And so that's something that'll come out, uh, next year again uh in some of our in one of our key markets and what that's going to be is you know a couple beers whether that be a goose or not that have come through the pilot plant that have gotten really good reception we're going to work with you know our sales folks to you know decide upon what you know what sort of beers they want to see that we can release in their markets that they think would be successful and you know allow folks in those markets to see to shoot do something that you know maybe we haven't done in quite some time yeah, and I think we're a little gun shy too on the the whole goose, you know, almost so what we saw with the Stoics. So we do have 
a beer out there called the Agent that we refer to as Goose Inspired. You know? Be careful. Be careful. And that's the <laughs> that's the one I was looking at. I saw, oh my yeah. God, they did they did one called uh yeah, the ages. So um, I was intrigued by that. Yeah. Goose inspired. Yeah. Just being clear. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I think the people that win here are the consumer because we get all these choices from all these breweries. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon to talk more with Deschutes Brewery. As a brewery owner or taproom manager, are you looking for ways to enhance your customer experience while maximizing your revenues? Craft Cellar is a mobile solution that helps your brewery drive sales and attract new customers through online pre-sales for beer releases, events, and memberships. Get details now at craftseller.com. Mention Beer Guys Radio after sign-up and extend your free trial to a full 30 days. Remember, craftseller.com, C-R-A-F-T-C-E-L-L-R.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I believe you have my stapler. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beer guys. Patrons get cool perks like beer guys swag, commercial free episodes, and even episodes that you can't find anywhere else. We have a new one out this week, don't we, Tim? We do, Brian. Oh, it's uh, Cherry Shoof. Oh, Cherry Shoof. Cherry okay. Shoof. Yeah, so we, we drank that, the latest one from Deschoof, and uh, we, gave, we gave our thoughts on it on this beer right here, Brian. That's we out did. there right now. Right now. So yeah. go check that out. Now back to our conversation with Brian and Kyle from Deschoof's Brewery. Well, guys, we wanted to talk about another popular recreational activity up there in the state of Oregon. And as we were doing our research for the show, we found some fun videos on Deschutes YouTube channel with, I believe the lady's name was Betty. Yeah. <laughs> and Betty was in what looked like a uh, a cooking a TV show cooking kitchen. Ideal, yeah. And she had weed all over the place. And uh, but she mentioned that if you're when she's not enjoying legal marijuana, that she drinks Deschutes beers. So what has been the impact there on craft beer? And uh, I don't think we can actually put beers out with with marijuana now, but have you guys played around any internally with that yet? Yeah, so not with actually uh, THC. We have looked a little bit at uh, CBD and using that in a beverage. But yeah, in regards to impact, that, that's I, I guess I've seen both sides. I've seen a lot of uh, material saying that, yep, you know, uh, legal marijuana is impacting beer, the beer industry, craft beer in general. And I've seen a lot of information that's saying it hasn't. So I, I think that's still a little um, inclusive at this point as far as uh, what what is the true impact to uh, to beer production. Yeah. Cause I, I know when we talked to Bruce Watson, he actually thought, I believe his, his thoughts were it wasn't going to have a significant impact. People that were looking to do that are going to do it. And it's a separate activity to drink a beer. You know, just being from living in Oregon, I could say that it wasn't prior to marijuana being legal. People was, were still smoking marijuana here. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh, cool. Now it's legal. Good. Now we so. can finally try it. Yes. <laughs> so on related, the terpenes, have you gotten any terpenes into your beer? Locally, we have a, at least one 
Jeez, we have two places that are doing terpenes in their Sweetwater, beers I think, yeah. is the best known. They yes. have their uh, 420 strain that they've done a few beers with, uh, with yeah. that. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about earlier the, the GMO uh, yeast guys, and so that's a lot of their work, right, is how can you get some of these thios and terpenes into your beer that are they're providing a lot of those compounds you're looking for. So I'm trying to remember, like, terpenes, do we have anything that came through Pilot? Uh, yeah, we've done, a, we've done a few, you know, bench shop trials with various different terpenes. Nothing that we've actually, you know, like, scaled to production or, you know, brewed up. But uh, we've messed around a little bit with a few different terpenes that are derived from marijuana. What do you guys yeah. personally think of those beers? Yeah, I think it's a, a really unique uh, and intriguing sort of direction, like, you know, dependent upon, you know, you know, are there these terpenes that are derived from marijuana that you can't necessarily get from hops? And how those sort of like synergize. I think there's interest there, and I, I do. I think there's a place. I don't think I've quite found a product or you know a specific you know terpene or beer brewed with terpenes that I felt was very uh, authentic. Like I think yeah. it's still a little bit like a synthetic okay. feeling. Yeah. But I think there's definitely. I think it's a really intriguing concept. So I think uh, as that sort of develops, I'm pretty excited to see. What now, comes see, about. I do not have enough experience with the actual thing to know how true to form. The terpenes are, but it sounds like you guys may have a little experience there. I'm thinking so a little field. Yeah, experience. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Kind of saying what Kyle was saying, like, yeah, they, yeah, it seems to be right now. I think as it's being dialed in, it, it feels a little, it, it expresses a little synthetic, but you know, it's still okay. pretty early. Yeah, and that's, I know with Sweetwater, like the Hemper was the first one I tried. What's that new Belgium that did that? Yeah. And that one's just all yeah, about, yeah. look, how much dank weedy oh, smell yeah. can we stuff in a yeah, bottle? Yeah, you open that up in a bar and everybody just the whole room and looks at you. Yeah. 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 Nobody can help it. They've smelled it before, but it's right. so strong. They can't help but it. But then look like G13, yeah. just everyone yeah. next to your table. Sure. So it's not as intense. And I enjoyed that. And then Sweetwater <laughs> did at 425th this year in the Sweetwater Experience tent. They had about 10 different beers that they did with different strains. And they had a, I think it was a Berliner with Maui Waui. So, you know, nice fruity and they were really tasty, you know. So I've enjoyed those so far. But like I said, I don't know enough about the actual strains to see how darn close they are. And they're uh, the, uh, the, like the brownie, the brownie version. I think yeah. it's out now. It's chocolate. Chocolate. There we go. That, that was pretty tasty. You know, speaking of things that are chocolate and dark, we have to talk about the abyss. We just opened up a bottle, the 2015 Reserve, and uh, is this the 20th anniversary of the abyss, guys? So our first release year was, I believe, 06. So um, we're getting closer to that. Oh, okay. I thought it had been. Uh, I don't know where I saw. You're that a somewhere. decade off. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> off by a decade. So. Well, I was wondering. I was wondering about that. Have they been brewing it that long? Okay. Well, uh, what's the story with this beer? This is pretty much consistently the same beer every year, or is this one of the ones that changes from year to year? Guys, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I like how Brian had to change directions. <laughs> So this is the twentieth. This is the twentieth anniversary. No, okay. Well, what's the story with this beer? I read that, I read that somewhere. The twentieth. It, it happens. You guys having a too. lot of so, uh, the G thirteen. Yeah. Is it the twentieth anniversary yeah. of anything this year? I don't know. I bet it is. Okay. I bet there is something that celebrates. We're pretty agile. We could just go into mode as if there it's you go. Six. <laughs> like right now. I don't know where I got that man. But yeah, no, so we started that in 2006 and it was such a small volume back then. And, and like you're saying, yeah, the recipe hasn't really deviated at all. And it's, you know, you know probably what you're tasting, it's, it's such a, just a big imperial uh, stout, uh, 50% barrel age. So, you know, we're using bourbon barrels. We use some wine barrels that we typically source from Oregon. 
very small amount of uh, new Oregon oak that's pretty strong, so we don't use a lot of that. But yeah, blackstrap molasses, spurs, licorice, vanilla, vanilla beans and that, and you know cherry bark. So all of that um, come, comes together, and every year we kind of sit down and we, we taste the different barrels and talk about the blend, and that's what you end up with. But it's, yeah, it's that's one of the beers. I mean, all our beers, especially the reserves, I look forward to, but especially... Uh, the bits when that comes out and the weather starts to turn here, it gets a bit colder. I love drinking the abyss here when it's uh, it's cold. I have to agree with that. You know, I I enjoy stouts year round. We did a show this summer, guys, that we called as Becky mentioned earlier. Stouts are for summer, so you know we don't care. <laughs> we, we had a brewery here that released what do you release like 11, 13 percent stouts? Yeah, right around Fourth of uh, July during weekend. during the uh, yeah. Memorial Day. Oh, Memorial, Memorial Day, yeah, the other weekend, one, yeah. So. But you're right. It is nice to have a little cooler weather and get these big yeah, this beers. Is, it's nice. I imagine sitting yeah. around a nice, nice fire outside with this one. Enjoying it some. Now, another thing, Brian, I think you mentioned you saw some YouTube videos about their uh, their sensory evaluation area, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it said it said that they used it on a daily basis. It's kind of a, a very advanced system. I don't know if it's still in use now, but all the videos were a few years old. But I'm mm-hmm. curious, how does that figure into what you're doing on a day to day basis? Yeah, and that sensory analysis and tasting, I think for us as brewers, it, it's huge, whether it's uh, myself and, and production or Kyle and the pilot plant or, you know, our brewers at the pubs. But it's, so we're tasting multiple times a day. So we have a sensory panel that's comprised of employees that are trained weekly on our beers and how to scale them and off flavors or just different flavor compounds that you would find a beer. So every beer before it actually goes into a package, um, after it's in a package, and then just a variety of trials and experimentation we're going through, we'll run that through the panel to get feedback. So we get a lot of information that might come off of you know, sensors, um, we get a lot of information that comes from the lab as far as, you know, color, bitterness units, ABB, but there's really not a piece of lab equipment that can really replicate with the, the human palate um, and just sensory perceives. And so that, I think, as, as brewers goes, that panel is um, one of the, the most important instruments that we have. Um, you can do, do all jobs. the science you want to do, but sitting down, tasting, drinking the beer and tasting is really what tells you exactly. the whole story there, right? Yeah, you know, and, and I will say one, because I was talking to one of our brewers about that today, and it, it's pretty interesting because you go into our sensory panel and it's very, you know, it, it, it's supposed to be quiet, it's supposed to be well lit, it's supposed to be free of any any odors. And so what's really interesting is trying beers, whether it's at our pub or tasting room, and how they kind of express and come across in those environments versus sitting down in a sensory panel and really you're, you're kind of keyed in and focused on sensory analysis of a beer. And so it's always something to keep in mind, right? Because the majority, the majority of all people out there aren't experiencing beer that way. So I think it's important that, you know, again, it's one of the tools we have to work at, but also there's a lot of value just sitting down and tasting the beer outside of that with, with people and talking about it so it kind of goes both ways but it's a it's an extremely valuable tool that we have here at Deschutes. well guys we're about out of time if people want to keep up with what's happening with Deschutes, where should they go i would say yeah if you hit us up at deschutesbury.com you'll be able to find all the links to instagram facebook twitter and i think those are great ways to kind of stay in touch with what we're doing good here stuff at guys thank you so much we appreciate it that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Coming up next week, it's time for our Oktoberfest show, Brian. Ooh. We're going to be talking Oktoberfest with Tucker Brewing Company. 
For more crapper info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, Your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang.